Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. As I write this, it's hot here in Sacramento. We've had a comparatively splendid spring here in Northern California. I don't even think we've seen 100 degree plus temps here this year so far. But the first few days of July have showed their teeth a little bit with a short stretch of 100 plus days. Any California would know that a single day doesn't predict a season. Ranchers also know better than to forecast a season on a few days. The weather, obviously, is far from predictable, especially week to week. You might even hear my AC struggling in the background of this recording. For the most part, the success of a cattle herd is determined annually, meaning that the investment is borne out over a year or even two years and sometimes more. Unlike the cattle industry, it only takes a matter of weeks to raise a chicken to be sold. The point being is that the market is dynamic and intimately connected to the conditions beyond the rancher's control. Weather doesn't only affect comfortability, it determines the amount of feed. While mild and wet spring, like we had this year, seems ideal, it's not necessarily ideal for growing forage, and forage is the stuff that cows eat. So apologies, it seems like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I've communicated dozens of times about how I don't come from an agricultural background and spend most of my time professionally in restaurants. I think restaurants and ranches have a bit in common. Both are seemingly, you know, from a distance, idyllic professions. I think to a lot of people, both industries seem like something they could figure out. After all, everybody eats. What I've learned is that both industries are subject to their fair share of chaos. Both industries are beholden to constantly evolving regulations from a dizzying number of agencies, both state and federal. Both are subjected to relying on seasonal effects of weather, though in restaurants you usually have a roof over your head. The point being is that neither are any way remotely predictable. In both, you invest inputs, and then you roll the dice and you wait and see. Forgive me for this tangent. I don't have a lot of good ranching stories because I don't come from ranching, but I do have some restaurant ones, and I think this one, in some ways, is relatable. I'll make it quick. Some partners and I had opened a pretty magnificent restaurant in downtown Sacramento. The menu was like protein-focused, and we had prime rib, rotisserie chicken, and and southern-inspired sides like collard greens, pimento cheese crudite. Anyway... The space was in the basement of a historical movie theater. In fact, the theater predated film and functioned initially as a vaudeville theater. So the space was old and it was underground. We were probably a month into operations when I joined my family for the first time sitting out as a guest for dinner. Before the bread was even dropped, we did these delicious Parker House rolls. The fire alarm went off. And it was a brand new fire alarm, but absolutely ear-piercing with strobe lights and all the bells and whistles. Our general manager at the time went table to table and informed everybody that they actually needed to exit the building. I caught her ear and asked, what was up with the fire alarm? And she said, well, you know, there's a fire. So as a reminder, we're in the basement of a very old building. In fact, we were so underground that we were inches from the water table, so we couldn't even dig during construction. So all the wastewater, and restaurants create a lot of wastewater, had to be pumped out of the building. The lowest point was a rear hallway running the length of the kitchen, and at the end was a sump pump which was the cause of the fire. As my family evacuated the building per instructions, I proceeded into the rear hallway. There's a small staircase leading to that lowest point, and it was filled with water. Restaurant water. Upon opening the door to the hallway, I discovered the the entire length was full of smoke. Lights were flickering, and being at the lowest point with a broken sump pump, we had to bail the water into garbage cans and haul them up two flights of stairs to dump them. It was like the Poseidon Adventure, except, you know, upright. 
You might ask, why am I telling you this? Being I'm not a rancher, I don't have any good ranching stories, but I've heard a few secondhand. Like the time the coastal ranch had a bull go to the ocean. Apparently their eyesight makes them swim to the horizon, eventually drowning them. That bull that we're speaking of is, is currently fine. They did have to get a horse in the water to get him back, as cattle dogs in the water are much less effective. I guess what I'm trying to say is that restaurants, like ranches, a lot of things come out of left field. So let's get back to the heat. So cows run hot in comparison to humans. They're not the best at sweating and have a digestive system that produces heat. So their digestive system relies on fermentation, which produces heat as a byproduct. So they have a few measures for respite, but it's mostly just shade and water, and they need to have a couple gallons of water per hour. On the sweltering day, I speak with rancher Bart Crammers at his ranch at Slough House. I first spoke with his wife, Noelle, via telephone. She's a former CCA employee. The Kramers are a bit of a unicorn in this industry is that they are first-generation ranchers who only lease land throughout the West for their operation. Such an operation can allow for some operators to be a little bit more nimble. It can also put the operator at the whims of the landowner. If they want to sell the land and develop it, they're gone. On this visit, the bulk of the herd was enjoying some more temperate weather in Oregon, with some bulls and replacement heifers on the property in Slough House. We'll first hear a bit from Noel and follow that with a visit with Bart. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Um, you might hear the hum of the air conditioners behind me, but I will not be turning those off <laughs> right. for this recording, um, just for basic survival needs. This is a little bit odd because my husband is the one who does, like, we're married, we're partners in this, but he's the one who's doing the day-to-day work and involved with the cattle. I'm much more just hearing stories and bouncing, he bounces ideas off of me. So... The cattle spend the winter in the Roseville Rockland Slough House. Like the, there's different ranches um, spread out through kind of those three areas. And then most of them go up to Oregon for the summer, but some of them stay at Slough House. Obviously, the ones who go up to Oregon have a much nicer summer. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. stay. Are they uh, Angus? They're commercial cattle. So there's. Angus, there's a lot of black baldies, there's some Simmental in them. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a California commercial herd where it's kind of a mixture of a lot of different breeds. A number of years ago, they used some Hereford bulls. They haven't used Hereford bulls for a while, but they still have some of their daughters. That's where the black baldies are from. And, um, but right now they're using almost all Angus. I don't know if they're still, they've used some Simmental Cross in the past, and I don't know if we still have any of those bulls. Is there a reason for keeping them in California? Oh, so the bulls stay in California. Okay. I think we have a few heifers that stayed back. Um, I think it's mostly just like, like we have this much forage available on that ranch, and so we stock it, and then we have X amount up in Oregon and X amount of space on the trucks. So it's sort of just, I think people who are outside of agriculture think like, 
there's these well thought out decisions like you're doing this for this reason and sometimes it's just there's this much space on the truck or this much so food too yeah, yeah yeah exactly as far as forge goes is it is it looking really nice i mean i i went down there um i was a slew house a couple months ago and it there were a lot of rivers where there didn't used to be rivers and things like that did was that a positive thing for for the ranch this winter was wonderful in terms of like getting groundwater recharged and having surface water available. The challenge for cattle producers, though, was because there was so much rain and it was so cold for so long that there was not a lot of feed this winter. And the feed didn't start coming on until much later in the season. Well, it's drying out now. Yeah, <laughs> it goes days, pretty but, quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now there is a lot of feed, but it was um, tight there in the winter because nothing was growing when it was just rainy day after rainy day after rainy day. I think in ag, nothing's ever perfect and ever nothing ever goes as you'd like it to. And so that's the complaint this year is like there wasn't a lot of forage in the winter. That's another thing from people outside of the community. There's a feeling like, it's simple. You just kind of, the cows are out there, they're eating grass. It doesn't take a whole lot to figure out what's going on. And there's so much skill involved. And I think people don't realize that, um, how much it takes and, and what you really learn through throughout your career and your lives and knowing the land and how it reacts. I really appreciate your availability because I know you've been really busy and it's always, it's, it's never easy to kind of lock people down. Um, but I appreciate being able to talk to you. I will thank you so much. So, I mean, yeah, nice to meet you, Ryan. Have a good one. Uh, so I'm Bart Kramers, and we are in Slough House, California. She was, she, she was, Noel was saying, it's like, well, you should talk, talk to Bart. It's his deal. Like not so much my deal. What's fascinating to me is that I've, I don't think I've ever interviewed a first generation rancher ever. Uh-huh. And I've done 45 ranches okay. in California. And if I guarantee if you were to ask a lot of those ranchers, uh-huh. would you jump in now? They'd, most of them would say No. In talking about your your operation is like I said it's a it's very different from the ones I've seen mm-hmm. on other ranches. Is there some kind of insight you could give to it? why are you doing this? Is really the um, question. I mean, I guess it took me twenty years to jump into it. Really, I you know I managed cattle for for the mitigation banking company for almost twenty years, and then finally started doing it for myself and. I mean, I guess ultimately it just came down to the fact that it was something that I enjoyed, you know, working with the animals and the land and and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's what my background's in. That's what my career's been. So I wanted to keep doing it. Is this your only job or do you have like... So I, st- I have a full-time job with the mitigation banking company and then I do the cattle on the side with uh, with another partner. Another thing that's fascinating, it's fine. Um, it honestly adds flavor to this whole thing. So it's good for me. A lot of people are still in this industry because they're kind of tied to the land. Uh-huh. You know, in, in, in some ways you could say they're stuck right. sometimes. Um, it seems that, you know, from what I, when talking to Noel, that you guys mostly just lease land. Yep. Are there 
positives and negatives to that or? I mean, I, yeah, everything we have is leased. I guess I mostly see it as a negative just because there's no certainty. I mean, we've, we've lost several leases along the way and there's, you know, we have some now that I know we're going to lose in the future, just the nature of, of what it is. It's, you know, at some point it's going to be houses and we're not going to graze it anymore. So kind of a negative in that way. I haven't really, I haven't really thought of it as being a positive, Okay, but it, I mean, I guess it could be if you're not, you know, stuck with that land base. I, I, I think it depends who you talk to, you know, honestly, it's like, yeah. I think that some people feel like, the, the land that they have is a burden, even yeah. like beautiful land. Like, you know, but you have to make that decision at some point. It's like, Oh, I'm going to turn the corner on this and it's going to be tracked homes or right, something. Right. And then, yeah, you if, know, yeah, you, you don't want to do that either. Exactly. You know, if you give it up. It's, it's gone, could be gone forever. The other thing is like, you know, when we lose a lease, you don't just go out and go, Oh, let's just lease something else. I mean, it's super competitive and there's always less and less land available. And you know, the price to lease stuff isn't going down. There's operations that I've deal with that keep cattle on property the entire year round, mm -hmm. usually because they have uh, a, a lot of precipitation and then, and, you know, adequate forage and that they're able to like keep the, you know, keep cows. I know that you, you know, you have some in Oregon right now. Uh, how is, I mean, cow, part of what I want to do with this, this one is that talk about how it's real hot right now. You know, yeah. um, how how has this because this year has been so weird. We had a really mild, wet spring mm -hmm. and now, you know, it's starting to heat up as California does. Like, has it been a, a positive, negative or I mean, a mix this year? I typically everyone just wants rain and it's like if we just could get, get some rain, we'll have some feed. And that's what everyone wants. But this year was weird because, I mean, we had so much rain. It was like too much and it was cold. And so it ended up being for us around here anyway, it ended up being a really weird feed year. We really, we didn't have a lot of, you know, early growth like we nor would normally get, you know, the pasture was all short. We were kind of wondering if we were going to run out of feed. Um, and then finally this spring, we got kind of some late growth when it warmed up and it ended up, ultimately it ended up being a good, good feed year. But I mean, it was just a weird year, even though we got all that rainfall and you know, the year before it was super dry and it was kind of a bad, bad feed year. It's just, I don't know. I feel like in the 20 years or whatever I've been doing this, just it's hard to know what a normal year is. I mean, it's just, it's been, saying, I was here two months ago yeah. taking pictures of just flooded, destroyed <laughs> yeah, exactly. stuff, you know, and it's just like, and I asked the ranchers like, this is good. And they're like, no, <laughs> this is not good. You know, like I was yeah. at Justin Oldfield's place and he, uh -huh. his uh, wine grapes were on, four feet of water it's just yeah. like it's hard to get a good a good shake sometimes yeah i mean it's like we just want some rain to just sort of be evenly dispersed across and it just doesn't seem to happen you have animals that are are, are located uh here yeah. and then animals that are that have been moved to to the northern part of the united states yeah. what's the reason for keeping any of them here uh, I mean, basically, we try to get our cattle on some kind of irrigated pasture in the summer just so they have higher quality forage. And so we have a little bit of irrigated pasture here. So we, we keep some cattle here. And then I have access to, to more irrigated pasture up in Oregon. So we sent the rest of the cattle up there. Um, but basically just a way to sort of, you know, keep them, keep them on some good nutritional forages. So Noel's like, oh, yeah, Bart's going to be out there. He's going to be irrigating. Uh -huh. 
Can you define what that is exactly? What are you actually doing? These fields, uh, they have checks running up and down them or basically little levees and there's there's a valve in each one. And so I turn on the water and open the valves and I'll flood irrigate, you know, a part of the field. And then when it gets to the end, you you open up the next set and, and flood the next part. You know, you just keep keep water in the field and then let it let it rest. We try to rotate or we don't try. We do rotate the cattle through the field. So, you know, we graze it and move them and water it behind them. Do you ever run out? I mean, I try to manage it so that we don't run out. I'm kind of, I mean, we've had cattle at this place for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years or so. So I'm kind of know what it'll do and how many cows we can put here. I mean, it does get tough. Like I said, some winters, if it's bad or whatever, the, the feed does get super short. Um, I mean, I've been fortunate enough that even through all these droughts and everything, we've never had to, I mean, we've never just fully run out of feed where we had to sell a bunch of cattle or anything. I know there are a lot of people that have had to do that. I mean, do you bring in hay ever? Uh, I try not to. Um, I mean, that's a goal of mine is to not feed them any hay. Um, it's just, it's expensive to buy the hay not always available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you need the hay, everyone else does too. So yeah. it's expensive. And it's just, I mean, also feeding the hay is just a big expense and the time suck. And generally it's in the winter when it's wet and it's soggy. And I just, I don't know, it's just something that, you know, this whole time that's been a goal of ours is to, to not feed hay. And we've been pretty successful with it. The, the one other thing that kind of rang out and speaking with Noel was talking about like your herd or, you know, I said, are you like, cause it's hot. Yeah. And so I'm like, are you, you know, black Angus? And she goes, oh no, it's a mix, you know? And it's, and then I forgot, she said, it's like a commercial mix or something like yeah. that. So can you explain that to me? Cause I've never really heard that before. Nor, I would say 90% of the ranches I go to that aren't dairies uh -huh. are running black Angus. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, we mostly use Angus bulls. Uh, in the past we've used Hereford bulls. So if you look out there and you see like a black cow with a white face, that's probably a yeah. Hereford cross. So she's got some Hereford in her. Um, we've used a little bit of uh, Semmental Angus crosses. So, I mean, we just mixed a little bit of other breeds in along the way just to get um, a little bit more, I don't know, they call it hybrid bigger. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you're too purebred, you lose some of the, some of the heterosis or the, the hybrid vigor. Is that something that applies to when they're alive or something like post, like, like in, in, in the product they, they uh, well, produce? Both. It would be, you know, they, they just be better performing when they're alive. So you'd have a better, uh, final product, you know, more pounds to sell essentially and, and potentially just healthier animals. Uh, maybe less less susceptible to, to disease and that kind of thing. When it gets hot, are there any things that you can, by looking at that, like, is there a system for when it gets hot? And it's like looking, it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're overheated or something. And so we have these things to do. How does that yeah, work? I mean, I guess it's hot here, but it's not, I mean, they're designed to handle it. I mean, it's not too hot for for these cattle. Yeah, right now it's nice in the shade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are there are some trees down here that can get in the shade. They're pretty hardy animals and they can handle it. I mean, those days when it gets up to 112 or something, you can tell that they're kind of hot, but it never it never sustains that for for long enough to really affect them. Um, and and the same thing with the cold. We calve in the winter, so there's calves out there being born when it's 30, 40 degrees and it's raining and 
they might look miserable, but they're fine. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we run these cattle. So in the summer, I mean, in the winter, they're all up around Roseville. And so, I mean, you think we know there's houses everywhere. There's cars driving by all the time. And we get people that stop and they call animal control or, you know, animal control calls us and says, hey, there's a lady on the side of the road. She says there's a calf out there and it looks sad. And she wants to know if she can go out there and put a sweater on. All calves on. look sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> when it's raining. Face. <laughs> so, yeah, she wants to go see if she can put a sweater on the calf. And I have to explain to them, no, the calf's okay. And maybe it's alone because the mom bedded it down and she's out grazing and she'll come back and feed it and everything's going to be okay. How long uh, have you been doing this? Uh, 2001, I think. Oh, okay. When I started. I mean, how's it, how's it feel? Would you do it again? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I have enjoyed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great to, to have an excuse to get outside and do some work and, it's just like if you tell someone that works in restaurants, it's like, oh, I'm opening another restaurant. They're like, why? Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the same thing goes with ranchers. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. you're going to do that? Yeah. You know? But I, I, I mean, I could see the, uh, the appeal. Yeah. Like, it, it is beautiful. And yeah. like, even when it's, you know, it's not hot as hell, but it's close mm-hmm. right now. It's mm-hmm. close to hot as hell. Mm-hmm. But you get used to it. No, yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> you got a good dog and some, uh, some bulls over there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've been doing this with this, you know, so I've been doing it on my own now with this partner for three years or so, but we've been working together, managing cattle for that whole, you know, for 18 years or so. So, I mean, we've been working together a lot. We work well together. Do you guys do any direct sales stuff or is it, is it all just, it goes to feedlots or? For the most part, it, uh, we sell it in on a video, we sell the calves on a video auction and goes to a feedlot um we do a small amount of direct sales the direct sales thing's hard there's not very many processors around i mean restaurants want to buy it fresh and they want to buy it wholesale it's just hard my thing is like i don't know if you can make it make a pitch for this but is that i think there's so many people that spent so much time thinking that frozen meat is ruined (laughs) right and that's not true yeah in fact you can freeze anything yeah. For a long time, and if and, and if you you know if you uh, wrap it in plastic, like you could get two years oh, yeah. out of out of beef. I mean, we no have problem. vacuum sealed beef, and you know when I get more beef in, if we've got some, I'll give it to friends or neighbors, and they're like, "We just ate that beef, and the date on it was two years ago. It's better than any beef I've bought at the grocery store." And I think that like I think the deep freeze kind of needs to come back, or just like you know, mm-hmm. it's just like you walk out to the to the garage and like pop right. open the freezer and just yep. pick a cut. Yep. Needs to be a thing. Yep. And then honestly, if people were buying. Half beefs, like that's right. That's a thing. That's what that's that, what that, we, that'll make the, the direct, business. Yeah, the direct sales we do, we sell a half or a whole. Yeah, and that's how it works for us yeah. anyway. Because otherwise, you know, people just want steak. Well, yeah, they're like, <laughs> can I get fourteen tri tips? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's a lot of cows. Yeah, and yeah. guess what? When you buy a roast, you might realize they're pretty good too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for letting me or to meet meet me out here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, uh, I don't know where you came from, but there's no good way to get here. <laughs> thank you for uh, your time. Yeah. We have an Instagram account at Cal Cattle Country. We love feedback, and send it to Ryan at CalCattle.org. We'll be back on the 17th of July. Thank you for listening.